Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal as the countdown to the loudest hell festival in Drumheller, Alberta from July 29th to 31st comes to a close. Canadian doom and stoner metal band Flashback is based out of Calgary, Alberta, and this year they will be joining the loudest hell lineup on July 30th. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Flashback's vocalist and lead guitarist, Aiden Demeray, and the band's drummer, Lucas McLeod. Flashback is gearing up to release their fourth full-length album, and today I hope to learn a little bit more about it. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you for having us. No problem. Um, so, Loud as Hell is coming up. Um, this episode will air just three days before the festival starts. How are you guys feeling about it, and are you excited? It's uh, we are definitely excited uh, that we were asked asked to come back. Um, absolutely, um, I had a lot of fun last year playing it and just being a part of the overall party atmosphere. This year is going to look a little bit different, though. Um, our other guitar player Jacob is not able to come out, and I think we're just going to rock it as a three piece. And it's okay. going to be it's going to be his. It, it's going to be what it is. But uh, we're going to have probably a cardboard cutout of him on stage just to make sure that he's there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. So I think that we're yeah we'll, we'll just rock it as a three piece, and it'll be it'll be like the old flashback days. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So what was your experience like last year? We actually played the uh, kickoff party, and then once everybody was super stoked about that they people were actually bugging jeff saying hey uh can you bring flashback back so uh we applied again and jeff asked us to do the main stage this year nice yeah so what was um for you guys what do you think um what do you think the draw was to kind of like for that request for you to go to the main stage and um that's kind of a shitty question but do you know where i'm going with it yeah i think um I guess from the feedback that I've heard, I guess I can only really comment on what I've heard from, from what people have said, but uh, from when we played the kickoff party, a lot of people thought that we were kind of a breath of fresh air in terms of, um, I guess, introducing a new kind of style into the festival because hmm. in previous years, a lot of the lineups for Loud as Hell have been primarily like, you know, like death core and death metal and like black metal and, 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 a lot of the more extreme like genres. And so I think a lot of people liked having like a, like a doom or stoner band, I guess you could say on the bill. Mm -hmm. I noticed that uh, this year there was, there's quite a variety and obviously there's stuff like power metal and, and thrash and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff um, throughout the years. Mm -hmm. But one thing that stuck out for me and partly one of the reasons I reached out to you was um, because of just the major difference between your sound and everybody else's. But another thing that really intrigues me is like, um, your like imagery like your 70s style theme mm -hmm. yeah i think it's it's been a um it's been kind of a um i guess a a process trying to kind of figure ourselves out from you know the early days of the band until now and i think that we've kind of done a good job at establishing what we want to accomplish and in in terms mm -hmm. of our songwriting um in and, and i think that we from the very beginning wanted to be really heavy but at the same time be groovy and really listenable at the same time and i think that mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that came out of the 70s that was very good at that um and i think that um like there's a ton of of of, of like b-side bands that nobody's ever heard of you know that are way heavier you know than even sabbath was i mean that's kind of a uh, a contrary like you know it's i don't know a lot of people would probably not agree with me there but there's a lot of stuff that is not um as known that came out of the seventies that was heavy as fuck. And it was still awesome to listen to. Um, so I think that that was kind of the way that we went, um, you know, and, and I think that the imagery kind of follows that sort of theme in a way. 
Well, mm-hmm. especially when we rock vintage gear too. Like everybody's trying to find all their vintage pieces for their setup. Like I'm playing old Vistalite drums from like 1978. So it kind of is like a flashback to the 70s where we look the part, we dress the part, we play the part. Yeah, like we like wear like bell bottoms on stage and, you know, it started out as just like, hey, let's just do that because it sounds like fun. But then it kind of like became a part of our our, our image, which I think is really cool. Um, I'm I'm really, I'm proud of it for sure. Yeah. Well, even looking at some of your pictures here, like I've got uh, the picture up right now of like a bunch of your amps and how they're like orange. They they definitely bring me back to that time period. And like, yeah, we, the gigantic speakers are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we are definitely gear nerds in the band. We love amplifiers and just like some of the ridiculous like setups that you would see back in the seventies, just incarnated on a stage with tons of orange amps and, and Marshall amps and, and just, it's just an old school vibe. And I think a lot of, a lot of bands use, you know, like, you know, like, I guess like amp modelers and stuff nowadays, and like they don't run cabinets, it's all in-ears. And I think that works for a lot of bands, but for us, that's, that's not really the way that we do it. You know, like we prefer to kind of do it like, you know, the old school, old school, old school yeah. way, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you guys chose your band name, was that kind of the goal is to have like the flashback to the seventies? <laughs> Not really. Uh, it was kind of a fluke actually. I, I, um, I think that we sort of, I guess, adopted the name absolutely. But, um, from the beginning, we were originally called the atomics back in the day when we were, um, before actually Lucas joined the band, we had, a, a our original drummer, Bryden, uh, and our old bass player, Gabe. And he uh, and and we were a three piece and uh, and we like played a lot of like Van Halen covers and stuff. And then we got to a point where we like started playing shows and we switched our name. And I literally looked down at my flashback delay pedal on my pedal board and went, oh, that's a cool name. It's one word. It's concise. It's easy to remember. Cool. That's what we're going to be called. And then I guess we kind of um, our our sound and our our style kind of evolved around it in a strange way, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. So I'm not too familiar with like uh, doom and stoner metal. So, but I do know that a lot of people kind of consider uh, Black Sabbath kind of the, the beginning, the catalyst for mm-hmm. doom metal. Yeah. Um, where do you guys know much about the origins? And if you do, like, kind of where did doom and stoner metal start? Um, well, for us personally, like uh, when I was younger, um, my dad gave me like three CDs, and two of them were these stoner metal CDs or stoner rock CDs. One was. Fu Manchu's California Crossing and Queens of the Stone Age uh, Restricted. And he gave me those CDs and I just love the groove and uh, it still sounded heavy and chunky and fat, like a big wall of sound, big drums, but still super catchy, something you could dance to definitely or groove out on. And um, when I was first talking to Aiden, because Bryden had quit the band, and I talked to Aiden being like, hey, could I join your band? I hear you guys like rock and metal. Let's give it a shot. And um, my dad ended up showing them at the jam uh, the Warp Riders album by The Sword. Mm-hmm. And album. yeah, and Aiden looked at Gabe and he was just like, dude, we got to change yeah, the sound. <laughs> I kind of I lost my shit a little bit when I heard that for the first time. I got to be honest. Uh, it, was, yeah. uh, it was definitely an, an awakening. I think in terms of the genre as a whole, though, it's definitely born out of out of Sabbath and it's born out of um, like just 70s rock, you know, like riff rock, you know, in, in the early 70s, like late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. And like even like into the into the late 70s, um, you know, so I, I think that um, 
I think that it's kind of all over the place in terms of its origin. And obviously in the nineties, there was bands like um, acid King and sleep and the Melvins and, and all these bands that came out of California that I think helped re like really solidify the stoner scene, I guess. And that's kind of where the name was originated. Um, there's a lot of bands in the nineties that were doing that sort of thing and, and doing it slower, you know, electric wizard, like they all kind of came out of the same time frame. Mm hmm. Okay, and like I'm not too familiar with a lot of the artists, but some of the more popular ones that I that I am familiar with are like King Buffalo, if that counts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Then you have like Chemist is pretty good. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I normally gravitate towards like the really heavy, really intense things, so that's one of the reasons why I love the lineup this year at Loud as Hell. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, looking to get into Doom and Stoner Metal, who would who would be some recommendations that you guys would uh, throw my way? Conan. Oh yeah, Conan. Oh yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah they're coming Conan. out with a new album. Yeah. So um, I'm. I think we're all stoked for that. Yeah. Uh, Their artwork yeah. is always incredible. I've not it's listened great. to too much of the oh, music, so but detailed. yeah, so detailed. It's yeah. awesome. Um, Monolord, that was a big influence for sure. Yeah, Windhand um, is awesome. Windhand is Bison uh, considered doom metal? Oh, I, yeah. I, I would say so. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we love those boys. They're they're awesome. Yeah, I got to. <laughs> I played in another band where we actually opened for Bison, and man, that was just a riot. Yeah, but um yeah bison would be a good one uh electric wizard yeah really heavy. yeah super heavy um there's man there's so many like there's <laughs> it, it's 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 actually one of yeah. those genres that has expanded insanely quick and that's like one thing that i've noticed from you know i guess circa 1989 until now of how many doom bands that have come out of the woodwork and how fa how fast the genre has actually expanded it's crazy yeah mm -hmm. High on Fire is a good band too because they yeah. have oh, like the okay. doomy stuff and they have the thrashy stuff. That's been a huge. Yeah, they're for super us. fast, but they have some really slow, like groovy, heavy stuff as well. So it's a good way to break it up, and I think we take huge influence from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I actually completely forgot about them. I I didn't really think they kind of I don't want to say belonged within the genre, but obviously, like there's so many genres that are mixing. But uh, yeah, yeah, the fast, the, the the speed and the intensity of that music kind of went outside of that boundary for me yeah well i think high on fire is one of those bands where they obviously matt pike who is in sleep which is like one of the biggest stoner doom bands of all time and in, in my mm -hmm. opinion um i think that he like when he started high on fire it was kind of the same and then it went pro progressively faster but high on fire still has this like super organic sound that I, I like and super like old school sound it's not necessarily very like modern metal sounding but it's fast and thrashy and and, mm -hmm. uh, I, and that's what I guess appeals to me is just like how they're able to kind of blend those two styles together, you know? Yeah. One thing that I love about the metal uh, world right now is that all these genres, even from the past few decades, are alive and well. Like you have some insane thrash metal bands, some great uh, doom and stoner metal bands. But then there's like old school death metal bands that are coming out with some just yeah. some great shit. Yeah. Yeah. And and I and we're not necessarily exclusive to our, our liking in stoner and doom either. Uh, Lucas mm -hmm. over here is the biggest Cannibal Corpse fan. Oh, yeah. In the world. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, like and obviously like we're into thrash, like, you know, all the all the new guys like Municipal Waste and shit like that like you know and 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 death angel like crossover stuff like dri like all the, all that stuff is really big on you know in our lives as well mm -hmm. who are some of your favorite bands uh right now i've actually been digging cadaver yeah cadavers the, right. from germany um yeah they're just three dudes from germany and uh they look like they're straight out of the 70s and they play really really rad rock and roll like mm -hmm uh those are one of my favorites blackwater holy light 
they're really good. Yeah, they're out of the uh, out of the states, I believe. They're on Riding Easy Records. Yeah, it's like a four or five piece all girl band, and they play like these really long euphoric pieces, but they're groovy and stonery too. I don't know; those are mine. What about yeah, yours? I don't know. I've been all over the map, kind of. I I I go through phases, but at the same time, I just kind of I'm I'm in a phase where I'm listening to everything in my collection, so I'll bounce back and forth from, you know, sleep to clutch to the sword to high on fire to rush. Like I'm huge into like old, like, like seventies rock, like Sir Lord Baltimore and, you know, like old stuff like that. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of all over the map and then I'll like go and listen to like death metal. Like, you know, I, I like bolt thrower a lot and entombed. I really like, so oh, I showed you a grave too. and grave is awesome too. We just uh, found out about a yeah. grave, which is just up there with entombed and, Man, they're it's like groovy death metal or stonery death yeah, metal. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so so good. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to look them up right now. I think I've heard of them. Are they out of Sweden? Yes. Yep. I probably... recognize the logo, but I can't think whether or not I've actually listened to their music yet. Yeah, I think yeah. that they're I think that they were kind of in the same scene with like Entombed and at the gates and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I heard okay. that they were a part of like the big four of Swedish death metal, which is alongside Entombed. Yeah. Okay, let me like just see here. Gates, looking at the, yeah, yeah. I do recognize some of their album covers, but like to, for the life of me, I can't remember if I've actually listened to them. Yeah, they're awesome. You should totally give them a listen. Yeah. Hmm. Back to you guys. Um, one thing that I thought was pretty cool and something that I do appreciate is um, the, your changes in logos over time. So I've seen a few different versions. Like obviously there's the one that you have um, on your Nemesis single, but then there's the one that kind of looks old timey. Uh, there was one that I saw that was like your logo was located in a, in a van. Yeah. Yeah. What's the reason for the changes? And is it something that you're going to continue doing over time? Um, it was just something that we just kind of rolled with like the van one. There was one before that. Uh, it was just a white and black logo look kind of boxy. And that was just a cool classic rock logo. And then we tried the van one because uh, I had this shitty old van that we would drive around in, do all these little, um, play all these little gigs in the city, sometimes out of the city. So I thought it'd be cool if we did like a silhouette with the letters inside and then asked a buddy to do the old timey logo for Heathen, Heathen of Influence. And then we just got to a point where we were like, man, we're Heathen of Influence was so doomy and stonery and this new record is it's still stonery but it's a lot faster so we thought we'd kind of take influence from that uh like the power metal scene yeah yeah and i think um i i actually think that that new logo of ours uh, on the nemesis single is uh my favorite logo yet because it's kind of um it's kind of like late 70s hard rock in a way too there's a lot of album covers that Mm -hmm. came out like that you like just look at it and you're like wow that album cover is like so much more badass than it sounds and I, and yeah. that's kind of what it reminds me of but at the same time it's pointy it, it kind of is I, I think it more suits our sound now than our previous logos suit our sound now yeah uh, in in terms of how we've changed as a band mm-hmm. so it's kind of something that you're uh hoping to marry up kind of with your sound then over time yeah in a way i think that i think that definitely our imagery um, for when we're writing an album and what we want to kind of have come across, like I, I, I think that it's very important to have the imagery match and and go along with it because I because th- because for me it, it all comes down to vinyl. Um, I'm a big uh, actually me and Lucas are, are yeah. big vinyl collectors, uh, and and I love sitting down with a with a record, preferably in a gatefold, and 
and having artwork that's you know basically 12 inches by 12 inches in my hand instead of looking at a phone screen because you can see all the detail and then you open it up and then the packaging is there and the vinyl's a cool color and there's liner notes i i i really i kind of get off on that a little bit like i really like that and i like when bands put thought into it so for me i think a big part of our 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 reasoning to kind of have our imagery go along with the songwriting is so that when it's being listened to on the, I guess, quote unquote, proper medium. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's received as a whole package and it's kind of, it's, a, it's more of an art piece than it is just an, just an album with songs on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on something there that's uh, kind of uh, dear to me as well. Like I love the artwork. I love seeing the detail. And that's mm. what, another reason why I hate looking at the phone. Like you said, it seems like despite the amount of effort and talent that is or the effort that's put in and the talent that's there as far as album covers go and album art um a lot of it's lost on just looking at a phone screen so it, it it's kind of doing the artist uh disservice yeah it, like it almost gets downscaled in a way kind yeah. of yeah mm-hmm. one of the yeah. things too like even with spotify you just can't find all that cool information like where was it recorded and like all, all these tiny little details that you want to know so badly about the band you just buy the record look at that and you should be good yeah and the liner notes just reveal so like many cool things you know, especially like bands have senses of humors and sometimes they they put in like funny shit in the end of the liner notes and i think that that's like that's a part of the experience of listening to it and especially on vinyl where you're forced to listen to you know one side and then the other side it's almost like two pieces of music versus individual singles it's it's too easy on like spotify and itunes to just skip songs and i'm guilty of it too when i'm on spotify mm-hmm. um but when you're actually kind of like forced i guess to listen to an album in 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 full i think that that's kind of it's what the artist intended you know yeah um no. So I see. So that's kind of like goes into the the realm of like a, a concept album or or artists like wanting their their albums to be listened to front to back yeah. rather than random songs. Okay, hmm. I never yeah. actually thought well, about that. And actually, it's 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 funny that you bring up concept albums because um, all of my personal favorite albums that I would necessarily like, well, if I could rank albums, which is so hard, but uh, all of the standout albums for me um are all concept albums um and i i really like that because i like reading the lyrics and there being a concise theme throughout the whole thing and i i really i really like that and so uh, our first record was kind of a collection of songs because we didn't really you know we were still trying to figure everything out but persistence was actually written as a concept album um i guess it was my attempt at trying to write something that was a concept album and i i think it still holds up in a way because there's there's a very clear theme um, and I think that it's 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 cool to kind of like if I go back to like us actually in those days writing that record, we we kind of wrote out every song uh, and all the ideas for each song and the titles for each song before we started writing the lyrics uh, and the music. And then we kind of wrote the lyrics to match everything so that we kind of had a um, kind of a step by step. Each song was a different chapter kind of thing, which I think is really cool. And I think more bands should do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, like I'm obviously not a songwriter, a musician, or anything like that. But something that I can imagine is that um, it's hard to get like your idea across in just like three or four minutes, and that's why they kind of um, bring the whole package together as a as a as a full um, as a full package. Essentially, that's a really shitty sentence, but does that make uh, sense? Yeah, it, it works. Like uh, I I understand what you mean. Kind of like like how Aiden was saying when you sit down, you're quote unquote forced to sit down and listen to a record then you 
like uh people always tell me like oh why don't you watch these movies why don't you watch these movies and i'm just like uh I just like sitting down and listening to a record like that's essentially watching a movie. Then you mm-hmm. just sit down and then just take in the whole thing and chill out. And yeah, actually, uh, it's actually it's it's super funny that we're talking about this exact same thing, because actually on persistence, we kind of put a little tongue in cheek audio clip in the beginning of a, of a song called Vision of Fairness. And it was like this kind of radio staticky intro, and then it tunes in. And then there's actually a clip of Lucas, uh, and he's I think he I think you say like an album is like a book. Sure, certain parts sure certain parts can be your favorite, but it's meant to be experienced front to back. And yeah. then it kicks into the song because it's like yeah, it, like it was actually like meant to kind of sound like somebody was like flipping through like an old like FM radio, and then automatically like they tuned into a thing, and that's what was like like somebody was being interviewed or something. But yeah, yeah. we like decided that that was going to be the saying just because we like that was I guess our goal for that album, and we just kind of thought that it'd be funny to throw in there, which is kind of neat. Yeah, and that's a great analogy. That's exactly what I was trying to think of. Like, yeah, you can enjoy a chapter, but in order to get the full picture, the the full impact of the art itself, you have to read through the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Ah, perfect. You guys have new music coming out. Do you have an album title? Uh, yeah. Yes, we do. We do. Uh, the album will be called The Draconic Oath. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we have uh, we just got the album art done. Uh, pretty much, we may have a couple finishing touches, but for the most part, it's like it's pretty much uh, entirely done. Um, we're still working on uh, like videos and stuff like that. We're probably going to be putting out, but uh, yeah, it's going to be called The Draconic Oath. I don't necessarily know when it's going to come out yet. Um, we probably have another eight months before that happens just because of trying to get it mixed and, 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 and figure out how we can put it out the best way that we can and get a proper, you know, proper exposure and release. But um, we are definitely ex- super excited about it. It's my favorite work that we've done to date and I'm very, very proud of it. So, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And you said that you guys had uh, mixed and mastered your previous records and that you're sending this one out. So um, who are you working with and how did you uh, seek them out specifically? We actually, don't have somebody picked out yet in particular we're kind of shopping around right now um we've sent a couple emails but um yeah nothing too concrete yet so i think we're still just shopping around and like like we posted on our instagram story just recently we were just finished recording so um now that we have everything in place get that sorted and then while we're getting that sorted we can actually start shopping like we are now for yeah producers when you are looking for somebody to mix and master uh, your album, like what kind of things are you hope? Um, sorry, like what kind of qualities are you kind of looking for? Well, we obviously are aiming to have it be the most professional and the most, I guess, the best sounding that it can be. Um, obviously, that's kind of every band's goal. I guess every time that they write a new record or, or, or I guess release a, an album. But I think that in terms for us, we're just looking for somebody that is that has a good track record, has 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 some good bands on their resume um and have um some really good test mixes available to hear uh and if and i honestly like i i i am i'm actually like i'm i'm looking forward to having i guess whoever mixes it um their input yeah yeah have their input on it a little bit and uh and so it'll be interesting to kind of see how they i guess make it their own too um especially since like um Aiden's been uh, recording, mixing, mastering all of our albums, like the self-titled Persistence, Heathen of Influence. So now we're trying something different. So now, you know, um, 
you just said that you had a passion for it. Mm -hmm. He was obviously like learning as we were putting out these albums. Mm -hmm. So now having someone that's going to do it for you that has a really good track record and also uh, just has, I guess, uh, that certain knowledge after doing it for so long, then uh, it's a bonus for us. Yeah, it takes the yeah. pressure off of me a little bit too, which is I think is really cool because it allows me to kind of uh, assume a different position in terms of my ability to kind of step back from a third party and not necessarily overanalyze things, which I, I, I'm guilty of, but also it, it's going to, it's going to be really cool for me to be able to kind of be really critical of it uh, in a way that will kind of allow the artistry to come through instead of like, Oh, I'm worrying about how I'm going to make it sound good. Cause I'm learning how to do this, you know? So it's, it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to kind of step it up uh, a little bit for us. And um, I think that, I think that our, our new release is going to be a caliber above what we've done in the past for sure. And having somebody else's perspective, obviously it's like a fresh set of ears so they can hear things that maybe you guys wouldn't or yeah. um, mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. Having having a having any sort of second opinion um, for something that's creative, like anything in the creative process, I think is really awesome because it provides perspective. And again, art is art is based on different perspectives. And I think that if you as a band are like, yeah, it's only our perspective, then I don't think that you can reach your full potential in a way. So it's actually going to be really nice to have, uh, you know, a third party um kind of putting their hands in the in the in the mix and, and seeing how they kind of do their thing with it for sure yeah and the are you, are you hoping sorry oh sorry i was just gonna say then the cheap version that we had doing before instead of doing that third party was uh literally just getting everybody to sit in the jam room as we were mixing it and just be like all right yeah so we all like, kind of mixed it together in a way yeah, yeah like everybody's okay. gotta be there uh, like put your hand up if you hear something and then we'll do that but that was like the cheaper version like we said but now we can send it off to someone and get their professional opinion. Is it important for you guys to um, seek out somebody that's kind of more familiar with the doom and stoner scene, or is it just somebody who's uh, got a good track record across the board? I honestly, um, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a plus. Uh, I would love, there's a lot of uh, people and, and mixing engineers that I would love to work with uh, of, of albums that I love, but also at the same time, like, if there's uh, any engineers out there and they're like, you know, they primarily do like new wave of British heavy metal or, you know, stuff like along that kind of line too, I'd be like completely open to at least hearing a test mix. Cause you don't know how it's ever going to sound. And sometimes what you, I guess may least expect to sound the best ends up sounding the best. And then that, you know, that's a, that's an opportunity lost if you don't take that route. Yeah. Well, not only that, but it's a, it could also be a break from their status quo and that might give them again, another fresh perspective or a little bit more motivation. Yeah. It, it's, it's not as cookie cutter, I guess, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I, uh, we were speaking before the show here and um, you guys mentioned how you're looking to give the, the person who does mix your record a little bit of creative freedom. So my question here is like, how does somebody throw in their creative freedom with mixing and mastering um, music? I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's, um, obviously you kind of have to work with, um, what you are given and it's not necessarily a matter of let's change everything because a lot of times, um, as a, as, as somebody who's mixed other bands, um, you kind of have to work with kind of how the tracks are, 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 are tracked because a lot of the sound should come from the source. Um, I guess quote unquote fixing it in the mix is kind of not the way to do it. 
um, even okay. though the technology has gotten really well uh, in terms of being able to go back and kind of change things a little bit. But at the same time, I, I just want it to to sound punchy. I want everything to sound natural. super clear and natural. Yeah. Um, we kind of, even for a heavier record, we kind of actually, uh, Jacob and I were talking about this last night, how the guitars are kind of less gainy and more kind of classic rock sounding in a way. Okay. Um, they're kind of, or at least that's how they kind of sit on top of the bass and the drums in the mix. So it kind of adds this old school sort of flair, which I think is really cool. Um, so if that was preserved and it, it sounded kind of like a classic record that could have been, you know, I guess released in the 1979, 70s. then yeah. I think mm -hmm. that, you know, that would also be really cool. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of seeing how somebody takes it and interprets it and, and, uh, you know, I don't want to come back and it sound like a completely different album because we obviously recorded it um, for, well, we recorded it the way that we did for a reason because we actually like, you know, that's how it, how it was supposed to actually sound. But but I think that there's like small things too and just like adding certain effects onto stuff and 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 panning and, and volume automation and stuff. There's There's some really cool ways to create space and to create kind of, ear candy moments on the record and a lot of that is done in post-production so it'll be interesting to kind of see how somebody takes that and and kind of works it into their own because that's definitely the creative part of mixing for sure okay yeah i know nothing about mixing and mastering the only thing i do is like slightly edit the podcast here i put in the oh yeah like an intro and outro and basically that's it so that's yeah. my um that's the extent of my knowledge in that. Well, and, and that, and that honestly works great. And sometimes the less that you do, like the better. And, and that's, and that's kind of, uh, I guess the goal is you want to alter it the least you can. And, and instead of like, I guess, trying to add things that are not there, you try to take away things that are, I guess, not as good. Um, because, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of EQing, like a, a guitar, for example, if you have a frequency that you don't like, or you're like, oh, there's a lot of bottom end in this guitar, I'm going to boost the top end. Well, maybe you just need to take that bottom end out. Because if you start actually boosting things that aren't there, then you create noise and then that's how like instruments start clashing with each other uh, in the frequency spectrum. It's all about trying to make all of those frequencies work uh, on a spectrum to come through two speakers. It's, it's a, it's a, it's definitely an art form for sure. Um, and kind of like putting the music forward in a, in the spirit that it was intended rather than having like some unnecessary sounds. If, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously there's a lot of like mixing engineers that will just cut certain parts out if they think that it, it, is, it isn't relevant. And I think that that keeps a band honest too, because a lot of times you go into the studio and if you're, if, if you're self-producing the album yourself, you kind of are like, Oh, let's do this cool overdub. Oh, like that's cool. Like we'll keep it for now. And then if it ends up not making the final cut, but it makes the song better, then that's ultimately a, a part of the final stage, which I think, I, I guess it, it helps out in, you know, in a way, you know, when I looked at flashback, or sorry, when I looked at uh, Heathen of Influence here, I ex totally expected a thrash metal album. And <laughs> then I looked back at Persistence, and that's very doomy. So, how does your artwork change with your new album? Um, honestly, for Persistence, I think we just kind of picked an image off the internet that sort of fit that general theme that we had with the whole concept. I, I will say, uh, sorry to interrupt, that it was a free image. We don't want to get sued by anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a fucking cool image, man. Like I, I love looking at it. It's, it's, really, it's really neat. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, super cool. And yeah, we just thought like mountains, persistence, you know, kind of go hand in hand. Uh, but with Heathen of Influence, we just wanted something that was rad that would totally catch your eye. If you just saw it sitting on a shelf in a record store, you would just be like, "Whoa, what the heck is yeah, that?" And yeah. we've had so many comments like that where 
people have just bought it because the artwork is just so insane and so sick and they didn't expect like this heavy doom yeah with some like thrash bits too actually shout out to bart from our label wasted wax records uh he is a saint and he was able to get our album in a bunch of stores all across the country um in smaller stores uh and we keep seeing them pop up of people in like ontario that have bought our album and shit and it's really cool to see that as a local band um but also i think a lot of that reason is because of the appeal of the artwork and it it, it does catch people's eye which i yeah. think is really cool well, it's it's like assaulting to the eyes, like not in a bad way. I just mean like hits you right in the face. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? He's got great color contrast. Like the artwork, it just pulls you right in. Yeah, and that was our our, our buddy Dino Robertson. Uh, he runs a tattoo shop in Calgary, or I guess co-runs it. But uh, mm. he's also in the band Drug Sauna. He plays bass in Drug Sauna, and they're uh, okay. and they're definitely a phenomena in the Stoner Doom scene for sure. Yeah, they're locals, and it's literally just two dudes in a van that just blows smoke <laughs> yeah and the, the, like they play all their shows inside of a van it's awesome yeah that's hilarious yeah I love yeah that. and they like they hit like a million views or something on facebook and like the doom jesus scene. christ yeah, yeah yeah okay so i have a couple questions first off um i'm <laughs> i noticed there's this van theme with you guys there's you've been to uh a show called vanuary there was yeah, vantopia yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um where else a couple more that have very obvious um yeah references to vans and then there's also the uh, shirt the limited edition shirt you guys did so what is it about vans and why does that resonate with you guys um i mean it's just been a staple in the scene so we thought we'd kind of run with it and even when jacob joined the band he had this old cool classic van i think it's like a old chevy or it's a a gmc vandura yeah gmc vandura was it like a it's basically it's it's a uh, 86 i think is is yeah. um and actually it's crazy uh, the vanning scene in in calgary and, and in alberta is pretty it's it's pretty big actually um there's a there's a lot of van clubs that are in 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 the scene well in in calgary and and beyond and they set up those yeah January's vantopia yeah so um okay, okay. Yeah. the one that actually jacob our other guitar player is a part of the bandits uh in calgary and they um are awesome they're just a bunch of rad dudes who like to party and they have a lot of cool vans and uh they all all they do pretty much is like they do vanuary which is a fundraiser show to pay for uh some stuff at vantopia yeah so vantopia uh which was actually was it last weekend or the weekend before Uh, last weekend yeah like a second week yeah june it was uh it was just this awesome like it was a it was a, it was a festival kind of like meet and greet show off of all these classic bands from people all over alberta van and, awards too yeah yeah like okay van. so like, basically like a car show yeah it, it's like a, yeah and and the club puts it on and they put on a lot of That's other cool. shows in the city and we basically just go out there and a bunch of bands that are in the scene play it and we have a party and it's the best time we ever. camp in our van yeah and... it's the best it's just that's the best. sweet yeah, yeah. Man, I'm embarrassed because I've lived in Calgary my entire life and I've never heard of any of these van um, festivals. And I used to go to car shows all the time. So Arlen, who actually, he's the president of the van club. He's the, he, uh, he manages the Palomino downtown. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and pin bar on 17th. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah That's so, the uh, pinball bar, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, wicked. Yeah. So in the, in the kind of rock and, and metal scene, uh, uh, it's definitely been a big part of it for a while in the city and the scene is definitely stronger because of it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's super cool actually. Yeah. I'm again, I'm familiar with like death metal and uh, a lot of techie type stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of really heavy hitting stuff, yeah. but what is the, the doom and stoner scene like in Calgary? 
it's honestly really good. <laughs> it, yeah it's yeah. it's huge like uh i don't think we've there have been like a couple of doom bands like uh the weir um monolith monolith yeah, yeah. uh locutus i think was one too um and just going out and seeing them at shows and getting lost in the music yeah. it kind of goes hand in hand with the heavy stoner rock we don't go super slow but it's still heavy enough and groovy enough to fit in with those guys and stoner rock scene i mean you get psych rock you get classic rock you get like any sort of rock like that in the city happens at the palomino yeah like, it's at Bantopia. it's usually the palomino is kind of the place where this all, all goes down for my experiences where uh, a lot of of my favorite shows have been because it's just kind of i guess the the home of that kind of sound and there's so many bands that we're friends with that we've been playing with kind of for a bit and 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 we kind of broke into the scene a bit later than them too so it was really nice to kind of have them take us under their wing a little bit but bands like woodhawk uh are awesome awesome mm -hmm. awesome friends of ours cron goblin denim uh, machine, yeah, denim machine. Cosmic, yeah like um there's so many good a bands. lot of really good bands that uh we had the pleasure of uh actually kind of being friends with and uh, have played a lot of really awesome shows with them, and I, just, I mean, so I guess long story short, I, I would say that the like the Stoner Doom or Stoner Rock scene in Calgary is, is super strong, actually. Mm -hmm. This is gonna, this might be a kind of a weird question, but um, is there kind of like, is there kind of like a personality or a, a feeling at like Doom and uh, like this is a really shit question. I'm trying. Okay, so the way where I'm going with this is like, there's a very distinguished. Um, like personality when you go to a thrash show yeah. or when you go to yeah. a death metal show i'm wondering if there's something similar like obviously there's the vans and like the 70s style there's the the style of music but is there something different um with the crowd that's um, that you could say is different between that and something like a death metal show i think it's rooted in the same thing uh yeah like no dick policy like yeah <laughs> just be cool and fair enough let's, <laughs> let's drink a bunch of beer and smoke a bunch of joints like yeah like just have, party have you know? fun enjoy the music mm -hmm. like don't get out of hand and yeah we're, we're all just there to hang out have fun yeah. and all enjoy the same bands like like people in those van clubs they play in bands that you know we've played with so yeah. many times and they've introduced us to people through vanning through the bands like it, it's just one big community and it's so easy to get into yeah you just gotta be nice and come up say hi like we'll have a well, beer with you and actually and actually one thing that i've i've found really interesting is that we uh actually everybody in the band we're super good friends with the riot city boys riot city is one of uh is one of calgary's probably i think they're one of the best bands in the city mm -hmm. uh they're like a very like uh old school like you know new wave of british heavy metal i i hate to compare them to i guess judas priest and iron maiden but that's kind of the closest thing that i would compare them to yeah um but, okay but uh yeah they're like the coolest guys ever and we've played quite a few shows with them and kind of broken into a little bit of a different scene in terms of playing some faster stuff and and playing mm -hmm. with some more like quote-unquote like heavy metal bands and I think that that is really cool too, because I think that we're able to play in both scenes, which is which is awesome. But from what I've seen, it's all about the same thing. It's like, let's all go out to a show and let's crack a bunch of beers and let's just have a fun time. And it's just 
about partying and, and the atmosphere and, and everybody being cool and hanging with your hanging, bros. hanging. And yeah, yeah. it's, that's kind of what it is for me. And, and, and if I didn't have that in the band, then I feel like that would kind of take away a lot of the meeting for me because that's kind of where we're all kind of born out of, you know, it's like, that's the fundamental, I guess, main, main push for us is like, we have to be able to have fun doing it. We're bandmates, you know? but we're also friends. Yeah. Yeah. Are mosh, uh, mosh pits popular at uh, Doom shows? Depends on the band. Uh, I mean, yeah, when we play the slower stuff, we usually just like seeing the... Just headbanging. Yeah, just headbanging. But once we play the faster stuff, we it does get a little bit moshy. Yeah, we have had a few mosh pits break out. Well, uh, actually, yeah, at the kickoff party. At, uh, yeah, Loud as Hell loud kickoff as hell. party. I think uh, Aiden was talking about how uh, there was a mosh pit that started and his mic got bumped and hit him right in the teeth and like knocked over. Yeah, like, Jesus. One of the guys in the pit like stopped for a second, grabbed his mic, fixed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, we were playing this like really small bar, a neighbor's pub, and it was like no, like the stage wasn't that high. So there was like moshing right in front. It's like a community, like local bar. And this mosh pit breaks out and yeah it like the fall back into the, like my my stage monitor but my mic stand went flying but yeah. yeah some awesome guy in the pit like reset it up for me and it was like i was in the middle of a solo so i couldn't go grab it myself but like right at the end of the solo he set it up perfectly and then i like went back into the verse or into the chorus and it was just perfect it was awesome it was so cool yeah <laughs> You know, that's one thing I love about the metal community is the music comes first. And so anyone's going to be willing to help you out in Absolutely. any situation. Especially yeah. a loud as hell, too. Like, there yeah. are yeah. so many nice people there. And yeah, yeah it's just it, it's another great community, too. Besides great atmosphere. All the, besides all the vanning and whatnot, it's another great community for sure. Yeah. And people are going to get sick of uh, me saying this, but I've pretty much said it every episode with um, a guest that is playing it loud as hell. But that's literally what everybody fucking says. I cannot wait to experience it. Yeah. It, it is actually like, I mean, from I'm I'm not somebody that listens to a ton of uh, of extreme metal. Like I, I have my likes, but I'm not, you know, it's not my main like genre or main pre or main preference. Like there's nothing against it. It's just that there's like it's, you know, I, I like certain bands but totally but from my experience like i went for the first time last year for loud as hell nine and it was like it was one of the coolest like experiences because we just camped out the whole time and there was a bunch of friends around and and we played the kickoff party on thursday night and then just like hung out and camped out the whole weekend and just had like the best time ever and uh checked and, out the yeah, museum too yeah like just hung around drum heller and it was just like the vibe is really cool you can just walk around to anybody in the camping area and everybody's so nice and you just go and hang out with, in people's camps and then go to, to somebody else's camp. And it's yeah. just like the atmosphere is really cool. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm stoked. Um, something I've never experienced in, the, in, in any concert really, but something I have heard is that uh, some more extreme metal has kind of like the gatekeepers and like, oh, if you're wearing a shirt, name three songs or that's yeah. not metal enough or whatever. Do you find the same kind of thing in the Doom scene or is it something that's completely non-existent? Um, I don't really think it's that existent. I think everybody's just like, wear what you want to wear mm -hmm. and just be comfortable with who you are. You know, if, uh, if you want to take that risk and do it, then go ahead. But I don't think anybody in like the stoner doom scene is going to bug you and be like, Oh, name three songs or. Yeah. I, I definitely think that quote unquote, like metal elitism, if you want to call it, mm -hmm. I think that that's definitely more alive in certain, in, in some of the extreme genres. 
uh, you know, in like black metal and stuff, which I think is, I think I, I understand why it's there. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with it personally because I come from a kind of a hippy dippy background in terms of yeah. like me, like my seventies <laughs> rock and, and my stoner doom. But like, I feel like, I feel like it's just a different aim. There's no competition. Like when you go to a show, it's like, let's just all have a fun time, you know? Yeah. Like let's all just hang out and this is rad music that we all enjoy. So who cares what's on your shirt as long as it's not like, you know, like as long as it doesn't like actually offend anybody or piss anybody off and everybody's just getting along and like, that's just kind of how it is, you know, in, yeah. in this scene. I But, but, it, but I do see it in other scenes for sure. Well, we also have the privilege in this scene, like, you know, the whole point of being a community and wearing the metal shirts is when you're out in public, you see someone wearing a shirt of a band that you like. Yeah. And then that's how you get the conversation going. And you can have that in this scene because it's like, oh, you're wearing just this small local band that I like. It's like or... it's like battle jackets too. It's like yeah. you're kind of like yeah. wearing your stripes in a way. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, oh, exactly. you have a shirt from a band in Edmonton that I like yeah. and or that we've played with or that we're friends with. Like it you can just connect with people just as easily and you don't have to bug them with those stupid questions like name three songs blah 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 yeah, yeah. anybody who's into it is like fully into it yeah well and when it comes down to it it doesn't matter what you're wearing if you're wearing a band shirt that means you're supporting that band so you might just like the artwork who gives a shit if you like the music yeah absolutely yeah. and i think that there's definitely kind of you know um there's a, a lot of like the one bad apple spoils the bunch kind of and that and that happens where there are you know certain people in the scene that, that do have that opinion and you know i i don't agree with that i think that everybody should just kind of express themselves because that's what music is in at the end of the day it's a form of expression and yeah. it's yeah. and that's you know the the most basic form of expression is to be able to like you know, you like a certain band, you're wearing their merch, you go out in public and you're sporting it off and you don't really care what anybody else thinks, you know. I think I think that that's really cool, you know. You guys have done a couple of compilation appearances, like you had uh, the second version of Doomed and Stoned and then you've also uh, appeared on Drift to Canada. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering how, how are you guys contacted and, and how do you get involved with like a compilation album? I just don't see that kind of that kind of thing in like the death metal scene, for example. Uh, well, actually, we were just doing some promotion uh, for I think it was for Heathen of Influence, one of the singles. And we just messaged the Weedian page and was like, hey, can we promote this? And generally, we got back into this conversation, like us buying merch or um, them sending us stuff or us asking them to promote. And then they're like, hey, you guys are good friends. Like, uh, like, and you support the channel, you support the page, uh, let's throw you on the compilation. Yeah, they, well, they, well, um, so we didn't put out our music video. We got asked by Doom and Stoned, uh, actually Cameron Dalgetty, who, who runs the, the Electric Highway Festival in Calgary. Um, he's a friend of ours, and he basically asked us if we wanted, uh, he was doing curating for those two uh, and asked us and we gladly accepted and it was really cool because we saw our name with a bunch of other other bands that we love in the city uh, like on the on the Canada one for sure and just a, a lot of other bands that we actually really idolize and like it was just a, it was a cool moment to kind of being asked to be on there for sure yeah so Weedian here is is Weedian like a band or is it is it just compilations it's a, it's like a, it's a YouTube or it's like a, uh, they have a YouTube channel and they have like an Instagram and a Facebook page. Basically it's a page that is dedicated to like sharing, um, like stoner doom, like bands and videos and stuff. Oh, cool. And they are pretty synonymous in the scene. Like they've got quite a, a bit of a, of a following, 
Um, so it's like like all like there's quite a bit of exposure on those platforms, and uh, yeah, and, and and they actually uploaded our music video and our, our album on their page, and it, I think our album is like sitting at like uh, I think Heathen is sitting at like five or six thousand views right now on YouTube, awesome. yeah, on their channel, which is really cool. So mm-hmm. uh, they actually like actually did a lot for us, and and yeah, we're we're eternally grateful for sure, and we support them buying merch from them too. Yeah, so, yeah, I love all of their artwork. I'm just going through it right now. These are these are really yeah. cool ideas, and they're all compilations. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. it's all region based too, yeah. like just like the Duke of Stone stuff. Yeah, and yeah. then and then actually, most recently, uh, speaking of compilations, um, we actually our our, our label, Waste the Wax Records, um, a Bart was actually asking uh, about us potentially being on the 10 years wasted compilation. So it's the 10th year anniversary of wasted wax records being in existence. And so he was like, you guys want to be on the compilation? And we're like, sure. Like, absolutely. And he basically asked us like, do you have any new stuff that's unreleased? And we're like, yes, but we don't necessarily want to release it right now. Um, Could we potentially um, write a quick song and record it quick and dirty and then send it to you? And he's like, yeah, sure. Like make sure it's like, three and a half minutes and we're like sweet and so that's where nemesis was born and we had an idea actually before we recorded the new album to um it was a riff idea and it's the main riff of nemesis we were going to actually try to record it uh when we were doing the full album we didn't have time and so we went back to it in our jam space and we recorded actually nemesis in like a day um i think we wrote it in a day and then recorded it in a day and then i mixed it um and then it, yeah, it's it's now appearing on the uh, on the ten years wasted compilation, which is out right now. Obviously, uh, we released the single at the same time, um, so it was uh, awesome to be on that as well for sure. Cool. How long do you normally take to like say write and put together one of your songs? It kind of varies, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bart asked us to do. A, he said the only limitation was that it had to be like a three minute song, which is a challenge for us because we usually do we usually like, write long songs. Yeah, yeah, like five, seven minute. Like uh, even with this new album, we have one song on there that's like 10 minutes long. Yeah. Just because we were like, screw it. Let's write a 10 minute long. song. Yeah, it so. just kind of was. That's just the way it kind of worked out. But but I feel like Nemesis came together in a couple of, of rehearsals, you know, a couple of like three or four hour jams. And then um, a lot of the other tunes like on on the new record the, um that 10 minute song took a bit longer obviously it was like it was actually when kellen our, our bass player first joined the band um he it was the kind of the first thing that we wrote with him and uh and we sort of kind of were bouncing ideas back and forth and it, it took a little like a, obviously a few jams maybe three or four um and again obviously you write the song and it continues evolving after you've written it too um so it's kind of a constant process up until the point that you actually put it on on, on the recording mm-hmm. But everybody's involved too. Yeah, the entire yeah. band is involved in the songwriting process. It just depends how long it takes us to be proactive and be like, "All right, let's finish this song. Let's yeah. get it done." Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so then you would say that, like, um, as far as the creative freedom goes, everyone kind of has the equal equal say in what you guys do instead of one person just taking charge. Yep. Like everybody comes up with ideas, and then it's like, okay, let's try your idea, mm-hmm. and then try my idea and then just see which one works best kind of vote yeah. on it and then you know where should the song go next if everybody's drawing a blank usually someone will pipe up and it yeah. just snowballs and, essentially and, and i guess and i guess i guess from i mean i don't want to call myself the band leader um but i i guess that's kind of what i've the role that i've taken i guess because that's i kind of started the band but in a way i didn't want it to be a hierarchy and i didn't want it to be something where uh i was writing everything for the rest of the of of the group and i feel like there was a lot of other ideas that came across the table that are 
are are as good if not better than my ideas at times and I, so i think that um to kind of have the ability to again just be friends and and be honest with each other and go hey man like i'm just going to be honest i don't think that that's going to work i think that that's the best policy especially when you're all it's a it's all a labor of love for every every member of the band and it's something that we all kind of pour ourselves into um and so i want and obviously I, I i know that we are especially with this record but i want everybody to be happy obviously at the end of a song i don't want you know somebody to be like i like this riff but then this part sucks you know like i don't want i don't want any anybody to feel like their voice isn't being heard and so if, if somebody has a problem with something we just work it out until it until we all like it yeah pretty yeah. much well that's you a good know? way to go about it too because say like again it goes back to that yeah it's my idea i think everything should belong but if one of the other members is saying you know it doesn't quite fit there we can put that in another place then what's wrong with that yeah totally and, and i think also too it 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 uh it sometimes it keeps you honest and there's a lot of you know th things that i've been wrong about uh, you know in terms yeah. of of my opinion on on recording or 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 songwriting if i thought that there was a certain part that should have been you know here versus you know i guess lucas's idea or kellen's idea then you know there's a lot of times where I've been incorrect and we've actually gone with the other idea because it's way better, but it just took me a while to see it. And I think that that's one of the things too, is that, you know, if I'm, if I'm poo pooing your idea, it's not necessarily yeah. that I'm, I'm saying it's bad. I'm, I'm saying I, I, I care about the record. We all care about the record. Let's make the best record that we can. And I think that that's, you know, it's not meant to hurt anybody's feelings in the writing process. It's like, let's like, it's also a, kind of a business and we, we you know and, and we want to put out the best record that we can yeah so how, how great is the feeling of like sitting around with your best friends being like and listening back to the album and just being like this is awesome yeah like, and, and we made all the right decisions absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. we did this together go us like yeah it's just a good bonding moment hanging out with the bros yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like writing too. You write and write and write until you can't write anymore. And then you start whittling down the list. There's nothing wrong with remo removing ideas to make the best product possible. And I, I hate referring yeah, to music yeah. as a product, but that like when it's all together, it's kind of what it but, is. But it, but it is in terms of, in, you know, in terms of what it ends up becoming, because I think that, um, I think that in the process, I, I guess, as you were saying, it's better to have more ideas than, I guess, not enough ideas, because then you're just trying to find a placeholder, yeah. you know, for certain things. And I've been guilty of that in the past with Flashback in our early days, um, in certain songs where I felt like we didn't really have, um, I guess, the, the I, I want to say the best idea, because that obviously is the way that the song's written now. But um, in terms of, of, of things that I, I could have improved on. I think that there was things that were like, ah, it's good enough. And I, and I, and I've tried my hardest every single time that we've done something after to try to kind of not say that because I, you know, I guess when you're pouring so many hours into it, it's really easy at, at, a, at a certain point to just go, okay, like, let's just record it. I just want to get it out there, mm -hmm. but you you have to be really patient and be like, okay, but is it the, is it going to come out better if we reevaluate and we rewrite this, like this section of the song or yeah, sleep we, on it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think that that actually provides a lot of perspective and it kind of, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, okay, well actually I think that we should change this, you know? Mm -hmm. And looking back when you when you say you're looking at those placeholders or just like I don't want to call them filler songs, but for lack of better terms, is that coming from like a place of regret or more or less just um, like awareness? Well, personally, I don't think that we would be the band we are today without those, I guess, moments. Um, I think that everything is has been, an, a, a, um, I guess, a direct accumulation. 
accumulation, I guess is the right word of, of, of all of these albums that we've done in succession. So I think, I think that we, we I don't think that we could have um, made the best record that we could at the time. Well, well, that was the best record that we actually could make at the time, but that was at the time, you know, that was who we were at the time. Yeah. And so I think that I guess naturally as you, as you, as you get older too, and you like look back at shit that you did, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, well like, you know, here's some stuff that we were obviously really gung ho on and we maybe should, should dial it back. Like it's just insight and it's trying to, you know, it's that constant push to try to put out the best record that you can and, and, and make the best record that you can, you know? Well, yeah. and over time you're moving into kind of your niche, more of your sound. Um, you're obviously that sounds going to evolve over time, but when you kind of start out, you don't really know how to communicate with each other. You don't have that same trust, but over time you build all of that as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even just hanging out and listening to the same bands, like we all go to the same shows, we all hang out with the same local bands. Like it's, it's pretty easy, like to find out where everybody has uh, everything in common, and then just kind of stick to that. Or, uh, like we were talking about, you know, just sitting back and being like, this is what's best for the song. Mm -hmm. Like, even if I don't agree with it, and everybody else does, like, it's what they say is best. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. And I and I think that you know, now, like, we've been a band now for coming up on six years, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and that's not even that long for a lot of bands, because, you know, it takes a while to kind of develop. But like, in the past couple of years, I think that we've really honed in on something that we're all super on the same page with. And we've solidified as friends, but also solidified as bandmates. And, and we know what to expect now, too. So, yeah. it's, so as we kind of have gone through the growing pains in the early stages, it gets easier, too. It's not necessarily the same, oh, I think that this part should be there. And, and I think that this part should be there. And we're clashing. A lot of times we actually just take the words out of each other's mouths a lot of times and just go, yeah, we all think that that's cool. And we're just going to roll with that. Yeah. So again, it, it's a part of the evolution, I guess, and the natural progression of, of, of being in a band consistently for a long period of time. I, I you know, in that, in that respect. Yeah. Speaking of progression and like changes in your music, and I know we kind of touched on this earlier, but between Heathen of Influence and your new album, what are some things that you wanted to remain consistent? Definitely the groove and stoner rock stuff, just because that's something that we all have in common. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who doesn't like dancing to a certain band or headbanging and just getting in that moment and getting in that headspace where you're there, you're enjoying it with the band in a tiny bar. Like it's, it, it's undeniable groove, essentially. Like that's something that we stick with, but also played around with other stuff like thrash elements and, uh, going back to some doomy stuff just to chill out and let the record breathe. Yeah. I think it, it was kind of a, a, our new stuff is definitely a mix of, of some faster elements and some, some, some slower heavy elements, but in a tasteful way and in a way that makes sense in terms of the songwriting uh, and, you know, I guess adding in these cool ear candy moments. And, and I think that, it, it's definitely a it's definitely a faster album, okay. um, but I think that it's it's a more mature sounding album. I think that the songs are a lot more thought through, in, uh, and 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 that's just kind of in terms of of how they ended up in the in the final stage. Because obviously, like when you're when you're in the jam room, you don't necessarily how, how you, like you don't like you have an idea of what it's going to sound like, but it's it's not until you guys get into the studio where it's like okay this is how this is actually like we're we're creating this you know as we're doing this right now mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. as we were actually recording the album we like we were kind of finding that it was sounding a lot more fast and like and i and i guess thrashy if you want to put that 
I guess, connotation to it, but it was still very much a, a rooted in rock record. Uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a screaming vocalist. Like I've never been able to, to do that style. Um, so I, I do like, I, I sing and I, I, it, it's more of like, a, I guess a classic rock vocal over top of some really fast stuff, but also some really slow stuff. And I think that it just kind of, it, all of those cool elements that we kind of can bring as a group individually kind of combined and it is its own thing for sure. It's not necessarily something that I can, um, put into one genre because there's many different genres and it's just it is the draconic oath that is what it is it is its own thing yeah i know that you guys said you didn't really have like a timeline but are you trying to put this out this year um either end of the year or beginning of next or year or early okay. next year yeah because yeah. we know that vinyl's gonna sadly vinyl's gonna be backed up for a little while because it's like okay so you want to have that everything kind of timed well yeah yeah we're thinking about that but at the same time i mean we can get shirts done we can get music videos done pretty yeah. quickly get them edited uh you know we have the artwork already we have to send it off to somebody just to get mixed and mastered um i mean it shouldn't take us too long if we just hunker down and get it done but now that everything's all there then it's it should be much easier to sit down and be like okay this is what we want like, yeah, just having the the proper promotion to for it. I think that we want to actually put it out in the proper way, have it have it put out in a way that we can hype it up. Like obviously prior to to the release, I think that that's really important, and just be able to um, try to release it in a way that we get the most reach that we can. Uh, obviously, so we're gonna be kind of. Um, I guess that's kind of the mode that we're in right now. Obviously, like we don't have a, a ton of shows booked for this year, so we're going to be focusing a lot on trying to get the everything done. But um, it'll be kind of intermittent as we play shows, and and uh, and I think that uh, I guess by the beginning of next year, maybe spring next year, at the very latest, it, it'll be released um, and digitally. Yeah, sure. yeah, at least digitally. If we mm -hmm. have to wait for a vinyl release, then that's I guess the way it goes with uh, in terms of the uh, there's a lot of pressing plants that are uh, that are kind of um all back ordered now and there's a shortage of lacquers and stuff so um so i don't i don't know how long it will take um for us to get new pressings done but um it's all it's all there's a, a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of how that's going to kind of unfold in the next like six to eight to twelve months yeah in that range are you guys planning on doing a tour uh upon the release of your new album uh, yeah, definitely. We, um, we were actually talking to the guys in Riot City and they were like, since we're such good friends with them, they were like, why don't you guys just come over to Europe with us and we'll show you the ropes. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. They've been so many times and we're such good friends that we just think it'd be a laugh riot to go out there with those guys and yeah, chill. That's kind of still, um, in question, obviously. Um, cause there's, um, I, well, I'm not going to go into, into too many details because I don't want to, I guess, misspeak on their behalf. Um, but it's still in question right now. Um, mm. And I think that in the in the fall, we, we might be going out to BC for a little rip of four or five shows, maybe. Uh, I know that we want to uh, next year, we might be going down to the States for a show or two, um, just like Montana area. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of setting up a lot of things right now, but I think that uh, there's going to be uh, I think, I think that we're going to have a, a busy next year 
uh, for sure. I think that it's going to start picking up for us, which I think is what we all really want, yeah. uh, especially after COVID and all that stuff, which I don't want to get into, but <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's really nice to kind of see that we're kind of on the, on the upswing for sure. It's uh, it was, uh, it was hard, you know, to not have that. And now we're kind of back into it. So I think that, that we're going to be, uh, we're going to be uh, locked and loaded for the next year coming out. Swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's got to feel great too, considering upon the release of Heathen of Influence, you guys got fucked with shows because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was like we were essentially sitting on Heathen of Influence. We were like, ah, we don't know when we're going to release it because, you know, we just don't know. And it was like the middle of COVID and we were like, let's put it out, which is the, and it was, it was through our label and stuff. And we got some vinyl copies printed and they did actually surprisingly well. I was so happy with actually how, uh, how um, the response was for, the circumstances um because obviously we weren't able to go out and support it which was the plan originally but it was kind of um it had just enough time to get like shipped out to those yeah. stores in ontario and bc so once everything started reopening up then people were starting to pick it up yeah and and, and, it, and it was kind of it was something where it came out digitally and then not for another like year or so after that it started to actually pick up traction just because it was it came out at a at a I don't think it couldn't have come out at a worse time, which is kind of unfortunate, but also I I still think that the, the stoner doom community online and stuff like we were able to to actually release it and and get some really good feedback from it at the same time. So I'm not necessarily that butthurt over it. It's just, we didn't really have a a ton of opportunity to go and tour per se, you know, we we did have a couple, yeah, we did have a couple live streams, but it wasn't anything super crazy. Like, uh, yeah, no shows allowed, just live streams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which definitely doesn't have the same impact at all. But I mean, when you're when you're locked down and there's literally nothing you can do, what's the next best option? Not making music, not playing. Fuck that. Well, and that, yeah. and that's kind of like and that's kind of how we hunkered down and started writing the Draconic Oath. Like I I remember vividly the first two weeks of of being quarantined. I was like just chilling in my house, and I was like, okay, uh, nothing else to do but to just play guitar. I'm not working. I'm you know. So I, I remember actually writing a lot of the stuff for this record in lockdown. And I think that a lot of the lyrical themes came from a place of unsurety and a place of uh, uh, trying to, f- f- like I guess, figure out what w- was going on because we were all not sure what was going on. And, you know, it was just it was a very volatile time where everybody was just trying to understand how this is so crazy. How can this be happening in the first few months? And then, you know, it kind of dragged. And and so there was a lot of of emotions that were felt throughout, the I, I guess, that whole time that were poured into the record. And I think that that comes across in the lyrical themes of the record, actually, especially. So for people that are looking for your guys's music, where is the best place for them to find it for you guys? um spotify itunes i mean we're on all the major streaming platforms but uh going on our band camp definitely helps we have the vinyl versions on there we have um merch like t-shirts and uh, we got some brand new shirts made actually for that van topia thing so we got to post those up on there yeah. but that's, that's one of the best ways to reach at us and support us because you know spotify pays like a millionth of a cent yeah yeah that's not the best way i mean i i'm guilty of it because i use spotify because it's it's really convenient and it's awesome but at the same time like the bands don't see a lot from that so obviously buying merch is the is the biggest way that you can support a local band but in terms of our of our music like uh you can buy copies of our album on vinyl heathen of influence on wastewaxrecords.com i think 
Um, I don't know if it's if they're sold out yet. They might be sold out. We are almost completely sold out, so we might have to do a second pressing uh, soon. But we are. Um, I think that there might be copies there. There is definitely copies of the new Waste of Wax Records compilation with our new single Nemesis for sale on CD on wasteofwaxrecords.com. So uh, that's kind of where you can find those for sale. Awesome. Are you guys doing any special search for Loud as Hell? Uh, we we might be doing, we we were kind of toying around with the idea of potentially doing a shirt. Uh, we kind of don't know. Uh, we mm. have uh, some of the Vantopia shirts left over, so we may just use those and sell those. I don't necessarily know how it's going to turn out. We kind of have to have a conversation about that and figure mm. that out. Yeah, but I mean, we're going to be rolling up in vans. We're going to be camping in vans. Like yeah, the, it's van, a, yeah, it's a van That's shirt awesome. with a band. That plays yeah, with yeah. Vans. There was actually know? a lot of bands <laughs> at, at Loud as Hell last year that I noticed. Yeah, so it's a it's a sweet shirt yeah. too. Like if you see it on our uh, Instagram and our Facebook too, like it's all up on there so yeah. people can get it at the show for sure awesome i like those baseball tees those are fucking great yeah, yeah the design is so cool <laughs> well gentlemen i want to thank you today for joining me uh, i know things are kind of busy so i do appreciate this and i will see you at loud as hell thanks so much jeff it's been a slice thanks so much yeah thank you for having us thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on gyro nation metal please don't forget to like share and subscribe the podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.